what AA boils down to is be where you say you're going to be doing what you said you were going to do when you said you were going to do it. And I cannot think of a better description of practicing these principles in all my affairs. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Greetings, ladies and gents, boys and girls. That was the voice of Mr. Gary Kay that you heard at the beginning of this episode. Many of you have heard his voice several times before on this podcast, but you will be hearing so much more from him in just a moment but first things first this episode right here right now is brought to you by noel jennifer paula todd terry and kurt do you know what noel jennifer paula todd terry and kurt did well they went to our website Soberspeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow donate tab and they made a contribution. Thank you so much, Noel, Jennifer, Paula, Todd, Terry, and Kurt. This episode is coming right out to youans. Guten Tag, everybody, again. Good. Now, that is kind of a, uh, a, a, a leftover from last week's episode if you haven't heard last week's episode guten tag hallo hallo i think is how it goes anyway uh, mimi f is from germany and her episode is entitled sobriety is my superpower if you haven't heard that go back and listen to that one it will be well worth your time and I'm trying to think of something in German here. How about German chocolate cake? Uh, and sauerkraut? I, I don't think that's actually speaking German, is it? I think that's just talking about food items that are somehow <laughs> related to Germany. Oh, and I do know uh, uh, Def Leppard. That in whatever that song is at the beginning of it, and they say "Guten Glitten Glatten Globen," it's better to burn out than to fade away. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. 
But just because I know a little bit of a Def Leppard song probably does not mean that I am an expert in the German culture. But nonetheless, just go back and listen to the episode, all right? Um, Secret Facebook group. If you haven't joined the secret Facebook group and you would like to, please send me your email uh, to John, J-O-H-N at SoberSpeak.com, and we will be more than happy to get you in there. Once again, if you're not following us on Instagram, I'm at at SoberSpeak, all one word, and we would love to see you uh, follow us on Instagram. I was testing something out this week. I've tested it out before, but you know, if you're sitting there in your kitchen right now and you say to yourself, Hey, kitchen, how can I make my kitchen more happy? <laughs> like anybody really says that, but you get the idea. If you want to envelop your kitchen with sounds of goodness, say to your Kitchen. Actually, you say to your Alexa device. I'm just assuming some of you have Alexa devices in your kitchen or other areas of the, your home. And all you got to do is say, Hey, Alexa, play Sober Speak podcast. And you know what? That Alexa or that device will actually play the Sober Speak podcast. So we'd love for you to listen to us on that if you would like. Okay. I have a couple of pieces of listener feedback here on the front end. We'll have uh, more on the back end of this as well, but I wanted to read this before we got going with uh, Gary Kay and uh, Susan. DM'd on the gram, the Instagram. She wrote in and she said, Hello, John. I've been listening to Sober Speak all through the COVID pandemic. I listened to David G's part one and two a couple of weeks back. Today, I'm driving from Santa Cruz, California to San Diego to visit our adult kids, and I played it again with my husband in the car. I am seven years sober, and our son is one year sober. We were moved to tears so many times during the two-part talk. Please pass this on to David. He is so humble and articulate, and he tells it like it is. John, I am more centered today, even as we go through this Los Angeles traffic. Big smiley face. Well, Susan... I passed on your comments to David, and uh, he said it made him feel much lighter and in a whole place, and that was so nice of you to write in. And just in case you're wondering what Susan is talking about, is David G's part one and two from our live event. Part one is just the live event, and part two is the Q&A session that we had during the live event, and it's about three to four episodes back from this. So go back there and listen to that if you hadn't had a chance to. Cassandra writes in, and not the Cassandra who does all the Instagram posts for uh, for Sober Speak, but another Cassandra. And she says, Hi, John, my name is Cassandra, and I would like to be part of the secret Facebook group. My email address is such and such. Most importantly, I would like to say I have been listening to the Sober Speak podcast podcasts on and off throughout my journey. I am almost 11 months sober, which is by far the longest I have ever had. During this crazy time of no in-person meetings, I live in Orange County, California. It has been really rough for me, but I have been consistently listening to your podcast 
on my commute to work. And just to say, no exaggeration, it has really saved me and kept me in the solution and made me feel so much less alone. I can always find something from every speaker that hits me and quite literally changes my life and perspective on something very important. Thank you for all you do. Best wishes. Stay safe and healthy. Cassandra. Well, Cassandra, that absolutely made my day. And best wishes right back out to you. And as I always say to all of you listening in, thank you so, so much. I do not take it for granted. Thank you for letting me be part, of, letting me and the guests that we bring in here uh, be part of your journey. I really do not take that for granted. Uh, you make me, you give me purpose. And that really just made my day, that whole uh, email. Thank you so much. Uh, all right, now on to Mr. Gary K. Gary K said, by the way, we are calling this one step 12. Practice these principles in all our affairs. And, and I want to tell you also, we have been planning to have Gary Kay uh, live uh, on December 4th. Uh, and by the way, I may move that to December 5th. So I don't write that down yet, but, but I, I, I planned to have him at a true live event in December. Uh, and I'm still going to try to make that happen. Now, whether it'll be in per, I thought all of this would be over by now, but obviously uh, when I say this, uh, right, the COVID, it's a very serious situation. It continues to go on and on. So um, I'm either going to have Gary at a live event on December 4th via Zoom, or we're going to have him at a live event uh, uh, in person if we could possibly do that. I don't know yet. So anyway, we're going to try to have him live on an event uh, in December. Uh, more to come on that. But Gary does share during this episode his thoughts on coronavirus and how that may or may not affect Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, he talks about sponsorship. He talks about spiritual awakening, carrying the message, and as we mentioned, practicing these principles in all our affairs. As he says, build your life around your recovery. Do not build your recovery around your life. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome once again, Miss Gary, not Miss, I'm so Gary, I'm so sorry, Gary, if you're listening to this, Gary K. And we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this episode. Enjoy, Gary K. Okay, everybody, so today we are sitting here again with a fan favorite, Mr. Gary Kay. So, Gary Kay, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, and give your sobriety date if you wish, please. I am an alcoholic. My name is Gary Kay. I'm not used to just giving the initial. My name is Gary Kay, and I'm really, 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 really grateful for a sobriety date. And for a new life that started July 25th of 94. July 25th of 94. It's been a while, Mr. Gary. Seems like yesterday in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So we're, I've, uh, we have a little bit of a, uh, for Gary and I, at least a little bit of an unusual situation here. And by that, I mean, 
We, uh, Jerry and I have recorded, I, I don't know, four, five, six episodes. I don't even know how many it is, but it's been quite a few. And every time we have recorded in the past, uh, Gary has been here at my home studio, if you will, which is just a guest bedroom with a mic set up. And we have recorded Gary. Uh, he has driven in. Uh, from I, I, you come in about an hour and a half away. Is that right, Gary? Correct. And so Gary comes in, we do a recording, and then we release it. Uh, but this time, because of the state of the nation or the state of the world, I guess is what you would say, we are in separate quarters. Uh, Gary is at his home. I am at mine. And before we before we go into what kind of our our subject is for today, Mr. Gary, which is going to be the twelve step, uh, I want to ask you uh, a little bit about your experience with this whole virus situation. And and you know, I don't know exactly when I'm going to release this yet. And things are changing. Gosh, it seems like daily, uh, de definitely weekly. Uh, we don't know what part of that process we're going to be in by the time it gets released. But what are your general thoughts on what has happened thus far and, uh, and, and how it relates to your recovery and how you see it affecting Alcoholics Anonymous moving forward? I have a strong belief these days that when you're given lemons, you make lemonade. Uh, I didn't come into this program with that idea, but actually the only way it's really affected me is uh, the one-on-one -on -one personal contact I've had. Uh, see, I now have four airline tickets to use sometimes next year for conferences I'd invited to, I'd been invited to speak at and already got the ticket and uh, they've been canceled. You know, the the thing that really hit me on this is I keep thinking about uh, pages 132 and 133 and the idea of I don't want to be the deliberate manufacturer of my own misery. And I go back to uh, stuff that was went over with me very carefully by my first sponsor, you know, that part in the chapter to the agnostics when faced with a self-imposed crisis that you can either postpone or evade. Face squarely with the issue that either God is or he isn't what your choice to be. And I'm grateful that I understand that the coronavirus is a crisis. But it doesn't have to be one for me unless I turn it into one. You know, that's not self-imposed. But my response to it could be a self-imposed crisis if I anyway find myself slipping into feeling like i'm a victim of some kind and it's very tempting i see for a lot of people by staying on social media that the blame game seems to be just uh you know has reared its head and is in full bloom and i think about a line in the book uh, i believe it's on page uh, 98 where it says we avoid argument and fault finding like the plague. Now I'm aware he's talking about working with others and in the family, but I found that to be a pretty good thing to try to adapt in every area of my life. It just doesn't do a whole lot of good to be talking about who's to blame. 
what I've shared with people is my parents got called to go to war. I'm getting called to sit on the couch. There's a little mm -hmm. bit of difference there. Mm -hmm. And in saying that, I'll say this very quickly. I am aware that a great many people, a great many people I know with unemployment and bad finances and with a lot of things, there's going to be a lot of, of destruction of their normal life. And I'm so grateful that Alcoholics Anonymous has been able to move forward very quickly with the Zoom meetings. And we've always got our telephone so that we could do what we do best and that's find a way to not have to need to or want to take a drink no matter what's going on out there so uh i see this as a time to reach out more to people and to be grateful that we've got this technology i got called uh about three weeks ago by a person with an intergroup director of an intergroup in a large city who was all foaming at the mouth. That's my report. I didn't actually see him foaming at the mouth. But he was pretty <laughs> upset that AA had not been declared an essential program. And he asked me what I thought of that. And I said, you know, AA is essential. AA brick and mortar meetings are not essential. That AA is much more than meeting hall that in the end it always comes down to one alcoholic talking to another and getting out of self to help someone else and we don't need the meeting rooms to do that uh, but AA is still alive and well it's just the meeting halls we can't go to and I was in favor of shutting those down I would hate to have seen a newspaper report where a community's uh, spread of the coronavirus started at an AA meeting uh, because we were being defined brats or something like that. So, you know, we just take what we've got and we make do with it. And it works pretty well. I'm sponsoring two people that I've met on Zoom meetings that live far, far away. Hmm. They introduce themselves as new, uh, use a little chat thing there, got them to give me a contact number. And now we're meeting twice a week and reading the book and going through the steps. And it's working really well. Uh, matter of fact, it's kind of working better than trying to get them to come to the house once a week, you know. Right. <laughs> so, uh, we, we can get the message of this program out and share our experience uh, if we're looking for it. At the very end of the book, ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who still suffers. And I believe if I stay true to that, I'm going to be guided in that direction. Mm -hmm. What about the various uh, Zoom speaker meetings? Have you, I I'm just assuming you've been invited to many of those. Have you been able to present at those? I have. Uh, I've discovered how much the audience makes the talk at an AA meeting. Mm -hmm. The audience always makes the talk. I'm just up there saying something, but the, the readiness and the uh, commitment of the people to be there to want to hear something, they make the talk. And 
I've missed some of the reaction of, uh, I guess you would say, the strengths, or back in my church days, we would call it the ethos. The what? The, the ethos, the relationship between speaker and audience. E-T-H-O-S, right? Yes. Ethos. And uh, I believe we depend a great deal on that in AA. So it took me a little while to get used to, uh, you know, talking to a screen. But again, we make do. I did find out I'd never done earbuds before, and I found out when I take them out, I don't hear me. I was getting a kind of feedback. So once I get started talking, I do what's normal in AA. I just take the listening part out and just talk. I've always said that AA is the only place in the world where everybody talks and nobody listens and we all get well. So, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I've done it. I've spoken in small groups for as many as five. And in one meeting, they, the, the thing said we had 1,300 there. So uh, I've got to go back to some places in Europe that I've been before and always have to apologize to my friends in Iceland and Finland. For the poor English that I speak, they, they speak a much more proper English than I do. <laughs> but it's okay. It works out. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, uh, turn a corner to our subject for the day. And, and by that, I mean, we, so you and I have uh, sat down. First, we did your story. Uh, and then... We came back and really covered all of the steps. Uh, we The last thing that we covered was Step 11. It was called Step 11 with Gary Kay, Spiritual Hygiene. Uh, but we never really did um, venture on into Step 12. So now we are at Step 12. Um, so having had a spiritual awakening, right, part one, uh, as the result of these steps, we tried to carry the message to other alcoholics, part two, carrying the message. And then I guess part three, uh, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. As you know, me, you, all of us have had uh, quite a, quite a change. We, we've had a, a lot of opportunity to practice the principles in all our affairs lately. But when you think about the 12th step, where do you like to start with that? And what comes to mind for you? When I think about it directly and being asked a question like that, I've become aware that what's happened over the years, and this was not by intention and not as a result of me doing any hard or good work, but what's happened over the years is the steps have begun to work me rather than me working them. And it's kind of encapsulated in that 12th step. Almost everything that we're about uh, can be found for me in step 12. Uh, starting with uh, the morning meditation, which asks me to be aware. Uh, very directly, if you look at the 11th step, you know, the first thing we do is ask to be divorced from dishonest, self-seeking, self-pity, and motive. So. That's at least bringing my attention that I need to be practicing some principles other than my own and all my affairs. It tells us we look at today, uh, kind of make some plans. It tells me that throughout the day I'm going to get stuck sometimes. So it tells me to get 
to pause rather than just moving on through the way I used to. So it's getting me ready on a daily basis for all three parts of the uh, 12th step uh, to be a part of my life. Every morning I start my meditation. I've got a photograph of the night I escorted my daughter when she was crowned homecoming queen and I was so drunk that I fell down. And I've got a photograph of that. And it's that old red blotch face. I think I'm being real cool, I guess. I've got on a silk wife beater and a white silk jacket and I look like a drunk. And so every morning I take a look at that picture so I can remember that I'm not that guy anymore. And to be really grateful for that. And that is the result of having surrendered to these steps. And I need to be reminded of that every morning. As part of my motivation to go out in the day, I just don't want to be that guy anymore. So uh, that helps me get started with step 12. One thing that I do each morning, and I, I got taught to do this, is I call another alcoholic. Before I get out of the house every morning. Just to remind myself of we. And uh, since I'm sponsoring people most of the time, I'm the sponsor that in the first few weeks does not ask my guys to call me. I call them until they can get kind of brought in and included in things. So I think just the reaching out and saying hello to someone else that's on the same walk is, in one sense, uh, you know, helping another alcoholic. And then practicing the principles in all my affairs. We had a guy when I got sober and said, you can't do that. You got too damn many affairs going on. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll sum it up. Uh, I went to a meeting in Midland, Texas when I was first sober. First time I'd gone to that group, and that was a podium meeting where people were called from the floor to come to the podium. And a man got up. He had 30-something years. We were to become good friends later. But he said very succinctly, in the end, to everybody out there, all your family, all your co-workers, all this, everybody out there, what AA boils down to is be where you say you're going to be doing what you said you were going to do when you said you were going to do it. And I cannot think of a better description of practicing these principles in all my affairs. When the man said that, I was almost convicted immediately by the knowledge that Really, in my life, nobody could ever depend on me uh, to fulfill that. Because if something came up, I would make any excuse sometimes to break off the commitment and go do what I wanted to do. So they they boiled it down for me, very simple things. And I think that's I think that is practicing these principles in all my affairs. Just do what I said I was going to do when I said I was going to do it with who I said I was going to do it with, where I said I'd do it. You know, it's, it's, it's not all that complex. So let me take a break here, then I'm going to continue. We'll be continuing our conversation with Gary Kay in just a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web 
at www.soberspeak.com. You can also find the donate button on our website, which you can use if and only if the spirit moves you to do such and you feel real good about it. Please keep in mind this is a podcast funded by you, the listeners. Sober Speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in a controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. All right, now back to Mr. Gary Kay. All right, Gary, so... So when I think about carrying the message, I think about sponsorship and such, why don't you talk to me about sponsorship from your perspective, both receiving sponsorship and what it's like being a sponsor, because I know you sponsor a lot of guys, too. Talk to me about that a little. Uh, I love it. And before you start, and before you start, and I'm so sorry, I forgot to add this part in here. I get this question that comes into Sober Speak all the time. I always have people asking me, how do you find a sponsor, right? How do you locate a sponsor? How do you know which of the sponsors is the right person for you? So if you could start with that piece first, I'd appreciate it. Sorry to interrupt you. Well, it's kind of the old real estate axiom. Location, location, location. You're probably going to have your best opportunity to find a sponsor at a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. So it's it's kind of important to attend that. Uh, I'm grateful because I got dropped into a group where the new person was included and met and talked with immediately. Uh, I was asked to come sit with someone. I uh, had people remember my name and I got suggestions uh, from some people that were about as new as I was or who had been there only a week or two. And I'll tell your listeners that I got very impressed by one man. I mean, he just always sounded fantastic. And I went up to him and asked him to be a sponsor. And he looked at me and said, hell no, I don't have time you and i thought about that probably i mean he could talk so well <sighs> and i'm grateful that i didn't just leave you know i uh one of my other guys said uh, don't just listen to people watch them and so i watched some of the people in the room and i didn't want to but they took me to coffee and things like that in the first week And I watched how this one man interacted with people. And uh, I got his sobriety date. He talked about the steps, of course, being new. I didn't know if he was working on them or not, but it was talked about. And uh, I asked him if he would be my sponsor. And he said, uh, yeah, I believe I will, but we both need to pray about it. Will you pray about it for three days? And I told him I would. Now, I'll tell you this. I didn't. I went back to him, and he asked me if I did, and I said that I did. And and I don't say this in a joking way, but uh, he sat down with me for about two hours twice. 
And he got all the information about me that he could get. I mean, he asked me stuff about childhood, parents, where I was raised, jobs, everything. And for those two meetings of approximately four hours, he listened to me intently. And I don't believe he ever listened to me again after that. He remembered what I had said in those four hours, and he used that against me from then on as we were going through the steps. Uh, I was sponsored. I went to his house twice a week. We took out the big book. We started at the blank page, and we read it out loud together. And when it came to uh, uh, you know, something, he'd say, Did you, can you identify with that? Did you ever feel that way, or what does that mean to you? And he was letting me, I know today, gain an understanding of my own life experience. And in particular, in the beginning, my experience with alcohol. And we got to page 44, and he asked me those two questions. And I could say yes to both of those and have a little understanding of what I was saying when I said I'm an alcoholic. Uh, and then we moved on through, you know, I didn't do any writing about powerlessness or unmanageability. I didn't do any writing about God. I think I said in an earlier session, having been a Methodist pastor and having had a great seminary education, I told him when we got to step two, I said, Jerry, I'm going to have a little trouble with that. I know everything there is to know about God. And I'm real thankful that he didn't want to have a discussion with me. He just said, yeah, but you don't know God. And then he asked me the question, are you reading the step correctly? It doesn't say came to believe in. It says came to believe that. Do you believe that alcohol is a power greater than you? I said, sure. He said, you believe that there's any power in the universe greater than alcohol? And I said, well, yes. And he said, good, we're on step three. And it was just that simple. Mm -hmm. I tell folks today, I've never met an alcoholic that has a God problem. I've never met one of us that did not have a thinking about God problem. Mm -hmm. And there's a big difference there. So I'm glad Jerry just took me straight on into the third step. And when we got there, we took the first action of recovery, as I see it. That's getting on our knees and doing that third step prayer. And I would ask him questions. I was going through a divorce. I didn't have a job. I had some health problems. The IRS had put me on their amends list. Uh, you know, I was uh, <laughs> estranged from my children and my family. And every time I'd bring that up, he'd say, Gary, those are not problems. Those are consequences. And I'm not going to sit here and talk with you about your consequences. We're going to find out how you can come to a solution to your problem, which is lack of power. And depending on yourself, and when you find a way to not do that, the solution to that problem of lack of power will take care of the kids and the job and the family and all that. And so he never got off into the rabbits that I wanted to chase. He just kept bringing me back to the book. And I'll be for That's what I do with people. Uh, we're generally on the fourth step by the fifth or sixth week. Uh, 
you've heard me say in these things before, I do not believe recovery is learned. I believe it's experienced. Mm -hmm. And to get back to our 12th step, that's what I'm so grateful for now. What I experienced in my recovery was being shown to develop some rituals early on. If you take the word spiritual and take the first three letters off, you're left with ritual. And I was given some, some rituals to do on a daily basis. They used to tell us that, uh, oh, what was that old saying about uh, repetition strengthens and confirms habit until faith becomes natural. And so I was taught to do some things with repetition, not understanding why I was doing them, but building that ritual of doing the 11th step, not only in the morning, but throughout the day, of building that spiritual hygiene that we've talked about, of staying active in uh, committed meetings. I was sponsored to have four committed meetings a week from the time I was about six months sober. Uh, they told me, build your life around your recovery. Don't build your recovery around your life. Uh, you're going to have to be very careful not to let the gifts of recovery get in the way of the gift of recovery. If you're not careful, you'll think that the more you work and the more money you make and the better house you get and all this stuff you get, that suddenly you don't have time to continue to surrender to the what brought you to that point? And I would not have done that naturally. I had to be led into it and shown. So that now I've got those rituals. Uh, and, you know, the book does say early in Bill's story, the alcoholic who fails to perfect and enlarge their spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others cannot be the certain trials and low spots which lie ahead. Well, this coronavirus is one of those trials and low spots. I'm so grateful I got given a kind of Alcoholics Anonymous where you don't wait for something to happen and then you go build up your program. You do it day by day because things are going to happen and we're going to be spiritually ready for them. Doesn't mean that fear doesn't come in. Doesn't mean that anger doesn't come in. Doesn't mean that, you know, all the stuff that, hell, I'm as human as anybody else. All those emotions still happen. But it's like it says in our third step, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-pity, and self-delusion. I'm glad because of this program, I don't have to be driven by any of those fears. I'm going to have them, but I don't have to let them own my life. I've got things to do each day. I get up in the morning about the same time I always got up. You know, I do the same routine, even knowing I'm not going to see anyone. I'm still going to take a shower, comb my hair. And you know, I am living pretty much in sweatpants these days. But I, I, <laughs> I understand. I break on that. Uh, <laughs> Decide which meetings I'm going to go to. Make a lot more phone calls. Uh, the first day I went down, bought five gallons of paint and all the stuff and decided it looks like we're going to be down for a while. May as well repaint the inside of my house. Uh, I always have some new books around. I just happened to have gotten that copy of uh, the writing of the big book. 
fantastic new book. Mm, and yeah, so I've had that to do. Uh, take my four walks every day with the pup and uh, try. You take four walks every day, huh? Yeah, we have a park here with a mile and three quarter lap around it. So we do five miles a day. Well, so when you're out of uh, town uh, speaking at a conference or something like that, do you have friends or family that uh, walk the pup? Do they do they do it four times a day? No, they don't. But I've got a pup sitter with a couple of dogs, and he stays with them. They've got a big backyard. Uh, but if I, he's hard to live with if I don't take him on those walks. He's lots <laughs> of keeps me healthy. Right, so we do that rain or shine. And uh, I have called different people uh, that I know that are living alone. And, you know, there are people, and we need to remember this, we've got people in my home group that do not have Internet. And I've got people with some of the uh, by-the-minute telephones. So they're not able to get on and do a Zoom meeting. Uh, very early on, I got a hold of two of those guys and I bought them some data that they could put on their phone so they could make a meeting or two. And one of them used up every damn minute of it the first night. Uh, <laughs> called and asked for more and I told him no. And the other one's been using it for meetings only, so I'm, I'm helping him out. Kind of <laughs> like what it talks about, page you know, 96, 97, 98 in the book. But I'll ask them to meet at the park for a walk. We can do our distancing and talk. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some groups out here in the country that are still meeting. I choose not to go. Uh, for me, I think part of practicing the principles is trying to be a decent citizen and uh, to you know, obey or follow or adhere to the suggestions. Okay, so let's take a corner there. Let's, let's turn the corner there into uh, practicing the principles in all our affairs. Uh, easier said than done. Um, I'm sure you've had some ups and downs with it. I have had mine, <laughs> I know. What do you yeah. think of when you think of that term? You know, the very first one, when, uh, after I got sober, long story, I helped a nonprofit write some grants uh, for a new HIV AIDS program out in our part of the country where it was not. This is 1995. And the people came from Washington and Austin to go over all of it. They liked the grants, but decided there was nobody in that organization to uh, be an administer. They asked to meet me, and so I got to spend four years setting up an HIV AIDS outreach program, building a clinic, doing all the services there, a great time in my life. But we had a treasurer and he and I butted heads at every board meeting. And I had a time, I know this is hard for you to believe, but one night we were just screaming at each other. And I got up and said, well, get your ass out in the alley and we'll settle this right now. Though. There I am, 50 <laughs> years old, and another 40-year-old guy, and we're both deciding we're going to go out. And now that's how spiritual I was at about four years old. <laughs> and I called my sponsor right after that. It was late. He said, come over. 
And I went over and he said, here's what I want you to do from now on. Every time you talk to that man, you call him, sir. You answer all of his questions. Yes, sir. And no, sir. When you talk to him, how may I help you, sir? And I said, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> We're on the same level of the organizational chart. You know, I'm right. You know how we can do our stuff. He said, well, if you want to have peace of mind and if you want to be a halfway decent representation of Alcoholics Anonymous, give it a shot or just keep the misery you got now. And that was hard for me to do, but I began to call him, sir, and, when I would, and not in a snotty kind of way of just saying, right. yes, sir, and no, sir, and how may I help you, sir, and uh, when do you need that, sir? And, you know, in about three or four months, he was off my back, or at least out of my head. Now, it didn't happen in a day. It didn't happen in a week, but it happened within three or four months. And two years after that, the Texas Rangers came in and arrested him and some other people for doctoring the books. And all of the stuff I'd been fighting with him about, I was right. Because <laughs> that's what we were fighting about. And thanks to this program, I didn't have to tell anybody on the board about being right. I really just felt a great deal of empathy and sadness for the man. Mm. Yeah. But it came from taking actions that were suggested to me that did not sound like a good idea. Practicing these principles does not come natural for a person like I was when I got here. Uh, I'm the guy that knew everything, always demanded to be right, and selfish, self-centered. Maybe no more, no less than any other alcoholic, but I can't think my way out of that. I had to act my way out of that. You when know, you say I, act your way out of it, yes, explain sir, that a little bit. So follow the instruction and doing a tenth step fairly regular on him. Uh, I, you know, the, again, going 10 and 11 are not for extra credit. They mm -hmm. are what eventually build up these rituals that keep us between the ditches day by day, no matter what's going on out there. Uh, and I just I think it's important. It's like uh, joining the gym doesn't do you a hell of a lot of good unless you go to the gym. You know, and. Being a part of Alcoholics Anonymous doesn't having a home group uh, doesn't do me any good unless I avail myself of those things, claim my two square feet, and continue to practice what I was taught to do in the beginning. Uh, the only difference between what I do today and what I did 25 years ago is today I have experience with it, and I usually surrender to it a little more quickly. You know, I've got one thing that may sound just real silly to your folks, and I don't care because it's meaningful to me. I got told early on that every time you go to the store, take your shopping cart back. Now, like many people, I did that most of the time. But if it was raining or bad or I was in a hurry, I didn't do that. And I did it. And I got a second sponsor after that. 
And he asked me what I was doing. I mentioned that. And he said, you forgot the other part of that. He said, while you're rolling that shopping cart back, use that as intentional time to say out loud to your higher power what you're grateful for that day. Mm. And I'm telling you, folks, probably 10,000 times since then, I look forward to taking that cart back because I can say, thank you, God, for my relationship with my children. Thank you, God, for the peace that's in my life. It's like a mantra. And that gives me an opportunity to say it over and over again. So when I was going to Walmart a month ago looking for toilet paper and there wasn't any, <laughs> or seeing what people were doing there, it just allowed me to have some empathy for them. And when I'm taking my cart back, rather than being overcome by what they're all doing, I got one more time to be overcome about what God's done for me in my life through this program. Uh, I will never have a set of problems today like I had on July the 25th of 1994. And those I thought were not resolvable. And they are. So I need to always remember if I look back and see the marvelous things that have happened as the result of, then it gives me a lot of hope of whatever's in front of me today. Uh, and I, I believe part, a big part of practice in the principles is having newcomers to work with. Uh, you know it for yourself, too. I act a hell of a lot better when I'm with them than I would if they weren't there. You know, it's just part of human nature. You know? And so being around them helps me remember uh you know, it says on page 83, the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. And I'll take all the reminders of doing that that I can get. You know, I'll, I'll tell you one more story that may not be the, the spiritual highlights that people were looking for, but it changed my life. My first sponsor, they had a rotation of people bringing cookies or treats to the meeting. And when it was his turn, he gave me the money and asked me to go to Walmart and get these two particular packages of cookies and bring them to the meeting. And, of course, I would get time for the meeting. I'd forget that. Then I'd run up there right quick, and I'm going through the aisle. I can't find a parking place. If somebody's in the 10 item lines with 13 items. and I'm getting upset about that, and man, I'm driving like crazy, and I get back to the meeting just in time to bring the damn cookies in, but I'm already a hizzy fit, you know. And we did that for the whole month. And he said, Gary, you never did learn, did you? And I said, what? And he sat down, and he gave me the lesson that he was hoping I would learn. Walmart is going to always be Walmart. Mm -hmm. If you don't want that kind of irritation in your life, go 15 minutes early. Mm -hmm. That never entered my mind. And that may sound silly to folks, but look at how chaotic my life plans were through the day. Just last minute decisions, making decisions on the fly. 
to gently and slowly over time be instructed and be shown to set up a little bit of schedule and to plan myself to be early. And that takes care of the irritations. It's not them. It's me. And I don't know how much value that's added to my life over 25 years of having that moment of gratitude when I'm taking the cart back and just trying to be early to places so I don't end up being rushed. Now, those may sound like little things, but I believe that recovery on us, it's not like dynamite blowing up a rock, that stone granite that we were when we got here. It's like water over rock. Constant flowing of the, if you want to call it the spirit or the grace of God in our life through these little things. And water over rock after a while wears down the rock. And what was once rough and, you know, jagged edges becomes rounded and smooth. And that's what this problem is. It's water over rock. Let's talk about spiritual awakening a little before we wrap it up. Uh, that's one we haven't really hit directly on during this uh, episode. So you hear people say, having had a spiritual awakening, you know, there's the appendices in the book and uh, all those sorts of things. So what do you think of when you think of a, a spiritual awakening in your life? I look back to my early days in recovery of trying to define it and wonder if I'd had it. Uh, having a lot of vocabulary out of my educational history of being able to talk about that stuff and had it maybe a good sound but no meaning to it. Um, and I'll tell you two stories that uh, of how it happened to me. Uh, I was three years sober. I was sponsoring a man who came in very angry, uh, going through a divorce, uh, you know, looking at the prospect of losing his kids in a second marriage. And he had a five-year-old daughter that he had to bring to the meeting with him. And she would hit the meeting and literally jerk away from him and go sit with someone else. It was obvious she didn't want to be with her daddy. But that guy did the work. I mean, he hung up on me four or five times, called me an SOB, and then he'd call back five minutes later and say, okay, I'll do it. He reluctantly but continually surrendered to the work. And I just happened to look around one day when he had been there about five months. Looked over there and that little girl was asleep in his lap with her arm around his neck. And I came to believe I had my awakening watching what happened to him and to many, many others. <laughs> and in my the end of my fourth year, I made the amends to my mother. I'd gone to the grave. But it just hadn't helped. I, I didn't, I'll take that back. I didn't feel anything. I was still expecting feelings back then. And I got a suggestion for, uh, from someone in a meeting, not my sponsor, that my mother had two best friends that I'd known since I was about eight years old. Just like some of us have had lifelong friends. These three ladies 
did everything together. So I got a hold of them, set up the time where I could meet with them, and I made amends to my mother through her friends. And I found out they knew everything because they were confidants. They mm-hmm. knew all of it. But here's the deal for the awakening. They told me stories about my mother that I didn't have a clue about. And it came to me, you know, I didn't know my mother. I knew my experience with my mother. But I didn't know her the same way that these ladies did. And you just go on down the same. I just knew my experience with her and I loved it. And that's how, that's my awakening to the God of my understanding. I don't know God. I just know my experience with seeking the grace of God through this program. And I like it. I believe that God is so easy to understand if you don't try to explain him. And I don't need to know everything. I just need to know my experience. And I love my experience of being able to live forgiven. Yeah, I love it. Hey, uh, I'm going to close it out here in a second. But before I do that, do you see what I'm holding right there? Do you recognize those? Are they mine? Those are yours. <laughs> that, <laughs> I bet I'm a pair of these things. Uh, that, there's some sort of irony in that, that you had to take your glasses off to see that I was holding your glasses that you left <laughs> when you were here last time. I don't know exactly what to make of that. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so next time I see you, no pun intended, uh, we'll be able to get okay. your, your glasses on. Right. I've got an empty, an empty scabbard from somewhere. An empty what? Scabbard that you put the glasses in. Oh, okay, gotcha. (laughs) Sword and scabbard, you know. There you go. All right, well, let me read page 164 from the book. It says, uh, Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you so much, Mr. Gary, for coming in here to talk about Step 12 and some other miscellaneous topics. I sure do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. God bless you. Thank you so much, Gary Kay. You so much have a gift for articulating some very complicated principles in a very simple fashion. And I am so thankful that you come in here and share with me so the Sober Speak listeners can hear what you have to offer. It is just absolutely fantastic. Now, on to a little bit of listener Feedback. Imelda writes in, and Imelda writes in via Facebook, and she says, Hi, John. We have been living months of hell with my 23-year-old son and his drinking. He finally asked for help and went into treatment on 
July 18th and is now in sober living. I'm so happy, I'm so happy he's taken this huge step, but can only hope and pray he will remain sober. He checks in every day from where he is, and it's so amazing to hear him sound a hundred times better, but I'm still terrified he can relapse. He was using heavy drugs in May of 2019, and he stopped cold turkey, and we saw him go through the most horrific withdrawals, and by the grace of God, he made it through. Sadly, the the binge drinking started a couple of months later. Your podcast is so beneficial because it has really taught me about the whole new world to me of addiction that I was oblivious to with a little sad face with a little tear. Well, Imelda, thanks for writing in. Um, I'm sure other people have suggested this, uh, but the only thing I would say is, you know, you may want to check out uh, Al-Anon. You didn't say anything in there about it. You may have already, but anyway, thanks for writing in. Godspeed to you, your son, and your entire family. I know this is a tough time. Todd wrote in and he said, hey, John, I've been listening to your podcast from the beginning. Just listen to Gary Kay. Well, you probably just got to hear him again if you're hearing your name. Anyway, just listen to Gary Kay, episode number 69. Simply awesome. By the way, let me just take a little break here. If by any chance there's somebody who's listening to this and you did not know that Gary Kay is on tons of other episodes on this podcast, feel free to go back through our entire entire catalog just uh, uh, google or uh, how do you how would you do it just you know control search uh, control uh, control f and search for gary k or just look for gary k uh, on many other episodes he's probably on about six seven other episodes or something something like that and so uh, anyway you will enjoy him anyway back to todd's note Todd says, I have been an active member of AA for 10 plus years. The beauty of AA is that I'm always learning and hearing different perspectives on life. When Gary said, quote, those aren't problems, those are consequences. Wow. And, uh, unquote. And then he said, also when Gary said, we are allowed to be present in our own lives, unquote. I couldn't grab a pen fast enough to write down those quotes. I love the podcast and thanks for helping to keep me sober today. Todd R. from Parma, Parma, Ohio. Todd R., well, thank you for helping to keep me sober. And I passed on your comments to Gary Kay, and he was most appreciative of those comments. Victoria writes in, and she says, Hi, John. My name is Victoria, and I'm from Wooler, Ontario, in Canada. W-O-O-L-E-R. Wooler? Wooler? Where? Anyway, where? 
whatever's going on up there in Ontario. Thanks for writing in, Victoria. Anyway, she says, I am two years, eight months sober. Congratulations, Victoria. And counting each blessing along my journey, exclamation point. I have a crazy schedule and I find it very difficult to get to meetings on a regular basis. I was really struggling with my sobriety until I found your podcast. Oh, very nice. I now listen to your podcast daily on my drive to and from work, which is a huge, in capital letters, game changer, exclamation point. Thank you so much for being an outlet for these individuals to share their stories of recovery and how their lives have changed due to the program. I'd really love to be a part of the super secret Facebook group. And once again, I I think you all have heard me say this before, but I get these little uh, catchphrases. I didn't even make this one up. This was from... Uh, uh, I don't make, I, I steal most of this stuff. This is from uh, a Dave, a Dave one point. He's in the super secret Facebook group. He called it that in a, when he wrote in and uh, anyway, I, but it's stuck. Anyway, uh, I want to be part of the super secret Facebook group and possibly connect with some people in recovery like me. Well, you know what, Victoria? There are tons of people in there to connect that are just like you. She says, my email is, and I can't say the email, obviously, because I don't want her to, anyway, you break your anonymity and all that kind of stuff. She says, yes, I know. It's a silly email. I made it when I was 14 and haven't changed it over my e over the years. Ha ha. And it is a very little girl type of uh, <laughs> uh, email, but thanks for writing in, Victoria. She says, thanks for all you do. Your friend in, reco in recovery, Victoria B. Thanks again. Ashley writes in and she says, Hey, John, I got the invite and I'm in the super secret Facebook group. I live in Boone, North Carolina, and I have completely and I have been completely clean and sober since January 13th of 2018, although my journey to total abstinence began about a year earlier. Face-to-face -face meetings in my area are very limited due to COVID-19, and I have found that Zoom meetings are helpful, but I needed a little something to add to them. I do a lot of cycling, and, and was looking for some speaker tapes to listen to while on a 50-mile ride. Wow. And that's when I stumbled upon Sober Speak. So I downloaded a couple of episodes and listened to them while on my ride. It seems like everywhere I turn lately, my higher power has been telling me that I need to spend more time in prayer and meditations. One of the episodes I downloaded, how about this, was Gary Kay talking about spiritual hygiene. Man, I needed every bit of that episode. Thank you so much for adding me to the Super Secret Facebook group. Ashley. Well, Ashley out there in North Carolina, we love to hear from I'm I'm so glad you wrote in. I'm so glad you found us. And if you're cycling right now, uh, hopefully this gives you a little extra juice uh, to keep up the 50-mile trip or whatever you're on. 
JJ writes in and he says, Hi, John. My dad recently became sober about eight months ago. And I stumbled upon your podcast to learn more about AA to better understand his journey, as well as a resource for me because I'm trying to cut back, which I know takes time, which I know takes more. Anyway, he says, right now, the hardest part for me is finding a program to join and get with. I become extremely anxious and hesitant when thinking about joining and have even got to the point where I I have been at the site of an AA meeting and I turned around. Well, JJ, you wouldn't be the first. Um, I, I, I know people who go through that, right, sitting in the parking lots thinking about whether I should go in there. But anyway, he says, I am only 30 years old, so the thought of making such a drastic change is hard for me to come to, 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 come to grips with. Is there any advice you have or have heard over the years that is good for those uh, like me that know they want to make a change yet struggle with taking the first step, so to speak. With that being said, I absolutely love your podcast and will say it's one of my, one of the first outlets resources I came across since coming to the realization that I needed to make a change. All of the speakers that you bring have such great personal experiences and their openness to share everything is something I quite frankly exist. Oh, wow. You have a great rest of your week, JJ. So I wrote back to JJ and I told him that, you know, first of all, writing is not my strong suit. And, you know, I try not to kind of... Uh, give advice uh, through this particular uh, uh, podcast and try to share experience, strength, and hope. I told him I really couldn't give him that one piece of advice that was going to, you know, like change his life or anything like that. But I did offer to get in, him in touch with uh, members of Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, they can have a one-on-one conversation with him. So, and JJ and I are in the middle of working that out, but JJ, thank you so much for your vulnerability and writing in and being honest. I know that your words are going to help others who are experiencing the exact same thing. Noelle writes in and she says, Hey, John, this is Noelle. You were a tremendous help to me in July of 2019. I listened to every one of your episodes. I was sober for six months and then I thought I could handle casual drinking. Oh no, I know where this is going. Well, it's been seven months and it's not, in big capital letters, not working. I even stopped listening to you, but I'm back and happy your podcast has continued. It was so helpful to me then, and I know it will be again. I am sober again, and I plan on sticking with it. Through God, your podcast, and my family, I will stay sober this time. Thank you for all you do. And as you know, Noel, I wrote back and said, you know, 
I guess I am giving advice here. Anyway, I said the only thing that uh, I would suggest, uh, I, I love that you're listening to my podcast and I love that you have the support of your family uh, and I love that you have a relationship with the God of your understanding, but I would, if it were me, add meetings to that mix, whether it's Zoom or otherwise, preferably in person. All right. Now, these are several different uh, DMs, direct messages, I got through the gram. Janine DM me. She says, hi, John. Thank you. Came across your pod the other day. Really enjoy it. Enjoyed it. Thank you for doing this. Well, Janine, you're welcome. And thank you for listening. Ryan DM'd and he says, John, your pod has been helping me get through some tough days Thank you for what you give us. And Mr. Ryan, I would say thank you for what you give back to me. And thank you for all of you for what you give back to me. Amanda DMs and Amanda says, hey, John, I've enjoyed the story so much. So powerful. I am fairly new in recovery. April 14th of 2020. Podcasts and Zoom have been a key for me since I left inpatient and IOP. Thanks for the work you do. And just for those of you who may not know what IOP is, that's a, I think that's intensive outpatient, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, uh, thank you, Amanda, for listening. And thank you for all the work you're doing for your own recovery and helping us all at the same time. And finally, Kim DMs. And she writes in on the gram and she says, John, I've been listening to your podcast for over a year now. Thank you. Thank you. Big heart and big praying hands. Well, Kim, thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of this community. All right, everybody. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. I take this a week at a time. I think I shall be back next week. God bless you. If you want to get in touch with me, once again, I'm at John, J-O-H-N, at soberspeak.com.